Hey guys, I'm back recording. <laughs> it's Friday, um, and I've just been like doing little segments, but I have a really sore throat today, um, and I thought I'd kind of get it done. Just in case my throat is like dead. Um, but yeah, it's the first day of my holidays, and I woke up feeling ill. <laughs> but it's not Omicron. Don't worry, guys. It's not Omicron. I did a COVID test this morning, and. I think it's just a normal cold and let me tell you i have not had a cold for so long because of covid like i've not been seeing people in here. i'm not wearing masks i've not had cold um and i was hoping i would like never get one ever again and let's hope this doesn't hit me harder because i've not been exposed to them just saying anyway gender and society let's get crack-a-lacking it's only 29 this is just like proves how much of an early bird I am like at this time usually I'm like well I'm never I would say I'm I'm not someone that's like ever like really 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 hyper but I'm definitely more likely to be hyper in the morning than at night but yeah if you can hear traffic I'm sorry it's my mum's room and the traffic is so loud up here but it's okay Anyway, okay, gender and society, in case I lose my voice and can't record ever again. So, um, basically, bleh, the main thing that we are studying is, like, the roles, the gender roles, uh, and that is where the religion comes in, because Christianity has very designated roles for men and women, and although this is not as much about religion as um my gender and theology uh, booklet will be i'm still going to touch on it because there's a lot to talk about <laughs> there's a lot to talk about when it comes to christianity and uh, the gender issues going on okay so the introduction says was there ever a golden period of the family there have always been unhappy families there have always been those who have suffered under oppressive fathers Ned, ned, negligent mothers and cramped living conditions but as some sociologists argue single universal family ideal has never existed the notion of the nuclear family is essentially a middle class western northern europe slash north america product of the last century during a time of industrial prosperity nevertheless the nuclear family of mother father and two or three children living together in love and harmony is also one popularised by traditional Christian teaching. However, since the 1950s there have been rapid changes into society which have altered the idea of the family and presented society in the Christian churches with significant challenges. Some consider that the family is in decline and that everything should be done to shore it up, which others welcome these so-called challenges as positive and liberating. Okay, that doesn't make any sense, but... And then one of our tasks is what factors do you think have changed the family social landscape in Britain? Um, I put religion, politics, and then there's also blended families, declining marriage, birth outside marriage and civil partnerships and gay lesbian relationships. Um, what impact do you think this has had on the view of gender slash gender roles? And I put the decline in Christianity in the UK has hopefully, hopefully diminished the expectation that when men and women have certain roles, e.g. women are staying at home, having and looking after the children. And then I put gay and lesbian partnerships can stop the designated husband and wife role in the marriage. Heteronormative! Okay, feminism, 
and changing views on gender. Feminism, women's rights on the ground of the equality of the sexes, is a global movement walking towards the emancipation, being set free from legal, social or political restrictions of women. Feminist theology begins with the tangible experience of oppression, which is summed up in the word patriarchy, society or government in which men hold power and women are excluded from. Beverly Harrison describes patriarchy as a as a legitimization of the male superiority. List any examples of patriarchy that you are aware of in modern secular society. I'll give you two seconds. Wrong! I'm sorry, I'm like really kind of like hyper. <laughs> uh, so I put um, church Christianity, but that's not secular, that's like religion. Um, hierarchical companies, you know, with like one boss. Uh, the family name, taking, that was what someone else said um, in my class, taking the man's name when you get married, um, you could, marriage in general, uh, sexual harassment, maternity leave, male gaze, I said that in the media, someone said incel ter terrorism, uh, subcultures, um, yeah, Marri in marriage when your dad gives you away at the church, it's like possession, passing over possessions, uh, and then it says feminist theology, Feminist theologies recognise the historical and contemporary denigration, denigration, subordination and exclusion of women in culture. Denigration means negative, by the way, and subordination means inferior. And exclusion of women in culture, society and its institutions, including the family in the churches, and actively strive to promote the freedom, participation and well-being of all women in these areas. In many societies, including Western ones, where Christianity is prevalent, men have, for the most part, held most of the power. There have been an, imbal an imbalance of power. Women have had a subordinate place in that society and have been regarded as being at men's disposal. Um, um, I'm just going to skip a few pages. Liberal feminism. So this is just kind of like an overview of the different feminist movements. Liberal fe feminism began in the 18th and 19th centuries and has continued for the, to the present day. Throughout its history, the liberal feminist movement has been and continues to be focused on eliminating fe female subordination. Um, Mary Wollstonecraft. <coughs> <laughs> Mary Wollstonecraft represents the beginning of the liberal feminist movement. She wrote A Vindication of the Rights of Women, in which she makes the case that women need to be educated, just as well as men, so that they can grow up to be moral and autonomous human beings. Autonomous. autonomous. In the 19th century, John Stuart Mill and Harriet Taylor Mill wrote about women needing to be more involved in society. While Harriet Taylor called for women to work outside the household as well as raise children, John Stuart Mill believed that women should be recognised as fully rational and worthy of the same civil liberties and economic opportunities as men. Though many of their thoughts differed, both Mill and Taylor supported the suffragette movement, suffrage movement. Liberal feminism was quiet until the 1960s, when it awoke during the civil rights movement in the United States. By realising that similar to race discrimination, there was a great deal of sex discrimination inherent in the system. The culmination has been, support, has been to support the humanist secular ideal of androgyny. Androgyny is where women and men improve themselves by adopting both feminine and masculine traits to become fuller human beings. Both Wollstonecraft and Taylor Mill would now be described as secular liberal feminists. 
Liberal feminists strive for autonomy and equality through education. Um, I did not know that that was a definition of androgyny. Just wanted to say that. I just saw it as being like, kind of, I saw it as more like an identity. Well, it is like, um, presenting yourself and feeling a bit of like, uh, how do I say it? Like, um, like not presenting as feminine or masculine, kind of being like either both or like trying to aim to be perceived as neither. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting definition actually. Improve themselves by adopting both feminine and masculine traits to become fuller human beings. I don't necessarily think that is the reason people nowadays may be androgynous. Um, because I guess, I guess, I guess, but it's not necessarily about being a fuller human being. You're already whole anyway. Um, but anyway, several critics um, of secular liberal feminism say it focuses too much on women becoming like men and it unnecessarily denigrates I can't say some words that I don't know the importance of traditional female roles such as motherhood and primary care roles within the home radical feminism radical feminism radical feminists seek to abolish patriarchy by challenging existing social norms and institutions this includes challenging the notion of traditional gender roles, opposing the sexual objectification of women and raising public awareness about issues such as rape and violence against women. Radical feminists stress the difference between men and women and what it perceives to be the negative attempts by men to constrain women into the cage of femininity. Key issues for radical feminists include reproductive rights for women, including freedom to make choices to give birth, have an abortion, use birth control or get sterilised. Evaluating and then breaking down traditional gender roles in private relationships as well as in public policies. A critique of motherhood, marriage, the nuclear family and sexuality, questioning how much of our culture is based on patriarchal assumptions. Women's false consciousness. Simone de Beauvoir has been a transforming figure in feminism's battle pursuit to challenge deep-seated prejudices which regard women as inferior to men. She argues that both genders need challenging, as women still suffer from false consciousness, which supports society's gender-typical roles for men and women. Until it is dispelled, women can never truly be free. In the second sex, de Beauvoir acknowledges that women have allowed themselves for centuries to become the second sex and to act the role of the wife, the lover and the sex object, according to the needs of men. While they continue in this false consciousness, they cannot live fully authentic, liberated and fulfilled lives. Women's existence is defined by men, for men, and women have unconsciously allowed this to happen. So I just want to talk about this for a minute, and I think in my booklet, they say a lot about Simone de Beauvoir blaming women, uh, but she didn't just do that. Um, but I think you have to remember when she was writing, and the women she would have been around, um, and... I think she is kind of saying that women are the women that think that they should be inferior to women, to men and the women that think that they shouldn't have the same rights as men. I think that is who she's targeting by these statements. I don't really think she is saying that um 
you know, for example, women today uh, are a lot more aware and don't feel like they should be seen as inferior. Uh, I don't think she's saying that um, they or, or we are in false consciousness, but I think, I, this is just my interpretation, but I think she's more saying that the women who believe that they should be inferior are within a false consciousness. Um, and I don't think it, she's attacking women as much as it makes it sound in what I just read out. Now, this is a quote from Simone de Beauvoir from The Second Sex. One is not born, but rather one becomes a woman. No biological, psychological or economic fate determines the figure that the human female represents in society. It is civilization, as a while, that produces this creature. Intermediate between male and, I can't say it, yunch, yunch, I can't say it, which is described as the feminine. Um, it's whatever, it's, um, fuck, I don't know, an yunch, I can't say it. Are you ready, guys? Eunuch. Eunuch, that's it, that's the one, eunuch. Um, okay. And then we have, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read you that. Unless you want me to say, but you won't know what it is. Oh, we've got a bit more on radical feminism. Existentially, women and men are both without... <laughs> are both without gender roles. That is what de Beauvoir means when she says one becomes a woman. For modern women, gender is intermediate between male and... Male and eunuch. Because they don't have the freedom to choose their gender identities, they have become defined and trapped by society. That includes the expectations of other women just as much as those of men. De Beauvoir argued that for too long women have accepted and encouraged themselves to believe in the eternal feminine. The idea that as the second sex their role is to be an ideal of what men expect of them. Women have allowed themselves to become the passive bystanders in society. The aim of the second sex is to expose all the areas where women have traditionally considered that their gender roles and duties are intrinsic to their sex. As there is no eternal feminine, then women are liberated to choose the lifestyles they want. They may choose to conform, confirm to society's notion of the feminine. They might opt to become mothers, but equally they may wish to do this, the kinds of jobs traditionally assigned to men. Um, I genuinely think uh, de Beauvoir has a point, but, um, like... <sighs> But the thing is, it's 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 the work of the patriarchy. Uh, and when she says that women have allowed themselves to become the passive bystanders in society, well, yeah, because that was easier. It still is easier. It's it's hard to challenge the expectations because we're so male dominated. It's hard. Um, and in some women's cases, it's impossible. Um, but yeah. What else? Do you believe this is a real... Okay. Um, so then we just read a bit of Ephesians 5, which is basically from the Bible. And St. Paul is basically telling women to submit to their wives. Um, but it's seen as, it was seen as groundbreaking in Christianity because it also says that husbands should love their wives as they do Christ. And it was seen as groundbreaking. <laughs> okay. Um, so... There are Christian feminists, there are feminists that are Christian, and this is a very interesting idea for me. It is very interesting because my feminism 
is one of the is probably the main reason that I do not feel aligned to Christianity. And it really interests me that people can feel still women or any feminist can still feel connected to Christianity despite its um, sexism. But I I can't understand that uh, really. But there are. Um, so Mary Daly believes that. Christianity with its male symbols of God, its male saviour figure and its long history of male leaders and thinkers is biased against women and is incapable of being salvaged. They urge women to leave such an oppressive environment. For many years, Rosemary Radford Rufer, a leading liberal feminist, considered herself to be a Roman Catholic but opposed many of the traditions, traditional church's doctrines she supports female ordination, contraception, and is pro-choice in relation to abortion. Consequently, her views were judged heretical, characterised by departure from accepting belief or standards by many of the more conservative members of the clergy. She has argued that female pronouns should be used so as to move away from the maleness of God. She has argued that Christology, Christian theology relating to the person, nature, and role of Christ, has been responsible much of the sexism in Christianity. This has led to the view that a woman is a less than ideal human being. Female critics say that the church is complicit in, the, in this oppression. Examples of this include a power structure that excludes women, teachings which say women should be subordinate to men, theological traditions which reflect male interests, and masculine language and imagery for God. Um... So, I'm now going to read uh, like a writing by Pope Paul II in response to feminism. Well, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to read like the information about him. So it's called Malarius Dignitatum. Um, it was written by Pope John the po John Paul II in 1988. Um, in it, the Pope sets out the current Roman Catholic attitude towards women in response to feminism prior to third wave feminism he considers uh, he considers issues like mary the story of genesis language used about god jesus attitude towards women and the role of women in the christian community today the document reflects the catholic view that when women and men are created equal but different <laughs> that is equally valuable but with a different role um chapter six motherhood and virginity Pope John Paul II suggested that motherhood and virginity are two possible, <coughs> uh, two possible vocations for women. A vocation is a calling, a special task given to people. Motherhood and virginity are, Pope John Paul II suggested, two different ways that women can, fulfill, can fulfil their purpose. Mary fulfilled both these vocations at once, but most women have to choose between the two. <laughs> motherhood Pope John Paul II said that although the creation of a child obviously involves both parents women play a more decisive role in the process um, his argument was that women are involved in the creation of a child in a much more physical and intimate way than men are motherhood comes naturally to women 
and women are suited to that role both physically and psychologically. My like alarm bells are like they won't shut up. Obviously, from a Christian perspective, being physically suited to childbearing is the same as saying they are designed by God to suit that purpose. Consequently, it is not just that women happen to have evolved to suit that role. Rather, it is a special task entrusted to them by God. He went on to provide an example of the way women are psychologically suited to child rearing. Um, so he says that the men always remains outside and he has to learn his fatherhood from the mother. Which I believe, just like that statement that they have to learn it from the mother, that just leads into all sort of blame on women. Like, whew. Um, so their own female skills complement the male skills of their husbands, enabling men and women to work together in a productive partnership. Heteronormative! Um, in Pope John's view, it was not limiting or derogatory to identify the female essence with motherhood. It is a mother's noble task. Women are privileged! Motherhood offers women an opportunity to gain human fulfilment through self-giving. Um, okay, so that's on motherhood. And then we have virginity. The other aspects of female vocation is virginity. He links this with Jesus' call both to female and males to dedicate themselves to God through celibacy. By freely choosing virginity, women confirm themselves as, oh my God, as persons. Um, the Pope explained that, oh, I just heard that. Those who have embraced virginity for Christ have the option to become spiritual mothers to the Christian community. But they can't become priests. The Pope described women motherhood as a women's pre prerogative, her right. Oh, I'm, I literally know how to say words, but I just can't do it sometimes. Progoth. <laughs> ah! And being a dedicated virgin does not deprive her of the chance to fulfil her maternal instincts. Um. Okay. So, we. I wrote something down for this, and I put that valuing women is different to seeing them as equal, because in this Pope John Paul whatever second thinks that he is valuing women in his own way and he is not yeah he thinks he's valuing women and being very positive about their ability but as i said valuing women is not the same as seeing them as equal because the issue comes when women do not fulfill that aspect of the value value is conditional in my opinion um and i don't believe that they in christianity value women as purely women and they value them because of the aspects they want them to do or their natural traits their natural abilities so the the the, the devaluing comes when women don't have children or don't become a virgin because then the aspects of what christianity values women for they're not doing so then women become meaningless to them because they're not a mother and they're not a virgin. And that is where the conditional valuing comes from. They're not seeing them as equal, which makes them have roles, but then when they're not fulfilling that role, there comes issues because then they're nothing, because they're only something 
if they're doing them roles, they're not valuing them as women. They're valuing them for their women's role. Okay. Um, I also put. Um, yeah, idea that women should have children or be celibate means women who are anything other than these are inferior. This is not equality. Um, and it mim. Someone said in my class it minimizes women as sexual beings because they're either one way or the other. And this ties in with the historical view. Women are either goddesses. Uh, we're doing this in English, like with our fellow women. Women who goddesses are either pure or they're whores. There's no in between it. And this, this is it. Like virgin or mother. It's all sexual still. Um... Christian responses. Okay, Christian responses to sexual gender roles, parenthood and the family. So a conservative... <laughs> traditional um a conservative traditional protestant is the most interesting actually their teachings are rooted in augustine via luther their driving force is the mistrust of socially liberal ideologies based on secular psycho sociology psychological and philosophical knowledge um the right considers feminism to be the root cause of family breakdown contributing to the establishing of society and traditional values. The right has argued that feminism has confused gender roles and set up unrealistic expectations of women, which can cause dissatisfaction and disappointment. Okay. <laughs> okay, fat pals. Conservative Protestants believe that a woman's role is to be wife and mother and creates the domestic haven where her husband can escape from the external world. <laughs> in a similar way, a mother's role is to bring life into the world, to nurture and lead it into knowledge and love of God. A woman who works outside the home not only removes a job from a man, but diminishes a man's role in his responsibilities to his wife. Nevertheless, a woman may work if she also carries out her domestic duties and her job doesn't detract from her role as mother. <sighs> okay, bro. <laughs> I, um, I'm gonna, yeah. 